All right, well, welcome. So glad to be with you all today. If you're watching uh, over in East Hall, we're really glad you've joined us if you're watching online. Also, thanks for joining us that way. Welcome to those of you who are here in the sanctuary. My name's Todd. I am one of our pastors here, and uh, it's a privilege to be a part of this church. And I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be a part of this church and for the privilege to uh, open up God's Word with all of you today. One of my primary roles here is that I work with our marriage ministry. And so uh, my wife and I both get to be a part of it, and it is a, a joy of ours. And so I want to tell you, if you're a married couple in here, I want to tell you about two opportunities to invest in your marriage real quick, okay? The first one is that on April 6th, we are hosting the Five Love Languages Marriage Conference with Gary Chapman. If you've ever heard of that book, it's a great book, uh, really groundbreaking for a lot of couples. And uh, we are having Gary come here, and so you should, you should check that out. It's a one-day conference, so you can sign up online. And I wanted to also let you know that we have a ministry called Reengage. Reengage is our church's marriage enrichment ministry. It's how it's the place that you can really grow in your marriage. Uh, it's for any stage of life, any marriage, any place that you're at right now. We have a, we've had a whole bunch of couples, almost 50, that just finished uh, their, their time in Reengage, and every single one of them said that they would recommend Reengage to any married couple. Isn't that cool? And so we've had a lot of couples that have come through, and they were in a fine spot. They were good. They just kind of needed a tune-up, and they grew. We've had couples. We had two couples that said divorce was an option going into re-engage, and at the end of it, took divorce off the table, which is a great testimony. We, uh, we would love for you guys to join, and you can, the next time you can jump in to re-engage, it's a 16-week process, but the next time you can jump in is Monday. It's tomorrow. And uh, we meet at 6.30, and uh, we'd love to have you come. And if I haven't convinced you yet, tomorrow night, our guest speaker in our large group time is Pastor Joe and Karen and his wife. So if that's not convincing, I don't know what is. Please join us. It'd be a great investment. Hey, and by the way, whatever you do, invest in your marriage. Because I believe that a church with strong marriages is a strong church that lasts for a long time. So invest, please. All right, so today uh, we are on the second week of a series that Pastor Joe launched just last week called Only Jesus. And this series is going to lead us right up until Easter, and I think it's going to be a great series. Last week, Pastor Joe talked about uh, Jesus' miracle of turning water into wine, and his message was called Only Jesus Offers Joy. Well, this week, uh, the message uh, I have for us today is entitled, Only Jesus Offers Life. Only Jesus Offers Life. And it's going to come from John 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, but, before, but as you're turning there, I have a confession to make. Here's my confession. I am infatuated with tortilla chips. <laughs> like, it's an issue for me. I have a problem, and I'm willing to tell you guys that today. Um, I really just love tortilla chips, and the problem is that when you go to a Mexican restaurant, they bring out a bowl of tortilla chips, and they always set it right there in front of you. And, and it's, it's right in front of your face, and there is something that happens to me 
when I have tortilla chips put in front of me, it's like the whole world around me begins to fade. And all I can do is focus on the chips. And the only thing I can do is eat every single one of them that's within arm's reach until they are all gone. That is, that is my problem. And the thing about tortilla chips is that you can't, has anyone ever eaten just one? You eat one and you cannot get the next one in your mouth fast enough. That's the way tortilla chips are. And the thing about tortilla chips is no matter how many I eat, I'm never full. Never. And so I could eat them literally for days. And if I'm at a Mexican restaurant, um, the only thing that can actually stop me from continuing to eat tortilla chips is if they actually bring out the main course. And it finally fills me up. Listen, tortilla chips are great, but they only leave you wanting more and they never fully satisfied. And I think that life, sometimes this life, is a whole lot like a bowl of tortilla chips. There's a lot of things in this life that bring momentary happiness like tortilla chips, but they only leave us wanting more. And we are never fully satisfied. If you are here this morning, and you are in a place where you've tried just about everything this life has to offer, and you are still wanting more, and you still are empty, and you're missing something, I think this message uh, is for you. And so let's open our Bibles to John chapter 6, as I said. We'll be in the whole book of John during this whole series, by the way. John chapter 6, verses 35 to 40 is going to be our passage this morning. You can follow along on the screen in your Bibles or on your Bible app. Let me read this for us. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Okay, so that's God's word for us today. And I'm going to answer three questions from this passage. And here are the three questions. First question is, why are you hungry? Second is, how can you be satisfied? And the third is, will you eat? How can you be hungry? Why, why are you hungry? How can you be satisfied? And then, will you eat? Okay, so the first one is, why are you hungry? Why are you hungry? So in order to understand the six verses that I just read in our passage this morning, we have to see it in the context of the whole chapter 6 of John. And so I'm going to take us back to the beginning of the book of John. And what happened is this was just one day earlier. And Jesus did a miracle. And it was a miracle much like the miracle where he turned water into wine, like we talked about last week. Except this time, it was that he turned a little boy's lunch into a meal for 5,000 people. And so I'm not going to read the story, but I'm just going to recap it quickly. What happened was, Jesus had done a number of miracles up until this point in the book of John, in his, in, in his ministry. 
And so he had done enough miracles that people started catching on, and by now there was a large crowd of people following him everywhere he went. And so he, and he couldn't get away from it. And so his, his disciples and him decided to go up to the mountainside, and they noticed that all the crowds followed them. And they followed him to the point where they were with him for so long they forgot to eat, evidently. Because Jesus looked down and he saw that everybody was hungry and that there was no food for them. And he said, how are we going to feed these people? And one of his disciples said, well, here's, here's a, a little boy's lunch. It's all we could find. It's, it's five barley loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, all right, have everybody sit down. And he gave thanks and then he started distributing the food. And it was the most amazing miracle because he just kept passing the food out until every single person had a meal that day. Turned a little boy's lunch into a meal for 5,000 plus. And they loved him for his miracles. They thought it was the most wonderful thing ever. And, 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 they, and Jesus kind of be, became famous for, what, for all of those miracles and what he could do for them. I'm going to fast forward now to the next day. Okay, the next day, the crowds are still following Jesus. Like I said, Jesus could not even get away from the crowds. And Jesus is starting to catch on. He starts to understand why these crowds are following him. They're not following him for what he really wants to give him. They're following him because they're waiting to see what he would do next. What miracle is Jesus going to do next? And here's what Here's what Jesus says to the crowds, and this is found in verses 26 and 27. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. What Jesus is saying to this crowd is this, you all are looking to fill yourselves up with all the wrong things. You guys are looking to, you, you're coming to me because you were hungry and I fed you. But what I did is I gave you a chip and you just want another chip. That's all you want. But what I have to give you is so much greater. And I have to tell you this, I think all of us are a lot like that crowd. All of us are living this life right now and we're thinking, oftentimes we believe that it's, the chips that are going to bring us life. That if, we could just, that if we could just have the next thing this life has to offer, that maybe then we'll have the life we're supposed to have. And we're always looking for those temporary things that never actually fill us up, never actually satisfy, and only leaving us wanting more. And we all do this. You know, if you ask anybody, a lot of times what's going through their mind is if I, could just, if I could just have a little bit more money, if my income could just be a little bit higher, then I'd be good. If, if I could just get that job I want, if I, could, if I could just have a little bit better of marriage, then life would be the way I would want it to be. If I could have a little bit more well-behaved kids, then life would be the way that I want it to be. The bigger house, the newly renovated kitchen, and then we'll get there. Nothing ever satisfies. You ever notice that most people are never content with their current circumstances of life? We're always looking to what is the next thing that's going to happen because it's that thing that I think will finally be what I've been looking for. And, and it starts at a young age. My kids have said this to me before. They're young. They're real young. They've said, 
And I can't wait to be an adult because then everything will be fine. Do whatever I want. Like, son, that's when your problems begin, all right? Now, but, but we want, we think maybe when I'm an adult or maybe when I graduate, then life will be what I want it to be. Or maybe when I find the love of my life and then I'll have it. Or maybe when I get married, then finally I'll have what I've been looking for. Or maybe the kids will give it to me. Or maybe it's that job or that promotion that I've always wanted. Or maybe it's retirement where I can do whatever I want. And on and on and on. But none of those things ever really fill us up. And then some of us are in, in circumstances right now as we speak that are really challenging, that are heartbreaking, some that are hard. And, and, and in your mind, you're thinking, if I could only get out of this circumstance, then I would have the life that I'm supposed to have. If I could only get out of this miserable marriage that I'm in right now, then I would have life. Or if I could only get out of this job, or if I could only be healed, or if I could only get out of Ohio because I hate the winners, right? And on and on and on. But I'm telling you that if you get everything that you desire in this life, it is still not enough. There is still something missing. You are still hungry. And that's what Jesus is telling the crowds. He's saying, listen, you are looking for another chip, but what I have to give you is so much more. You are hungry for something greater. Why are we hungry? Why do those things never satisfy us, the things of this life? And here's the answer to that. It's because we weren't designed for this life. We just weren't. There are, uh, there are two types of fish out there. There are fish that survive and thrive in fresh water, and there are fish that survive and thrive in salt water. If you try to take a freshwater fish and you put it in salt water, it doesn't go well. Eventually, that fish will die because it will get dehydrated, and I don't know all the scientific facts behind that, but I do know this. Fish were not, a salt water, freshwater fish was not designed to live in salt water. It's a question of design. Do you know that the reason you are hungry and that the things of this life never ever satisfy you is because you weren't designed for this life. You were designed for another life. It all goes back to creation. You go back all the way to the beginning of Genesis to when God created Adam and Eve. He created them in his image for a perfect relationship with him. And so he placed them in the garden. And the garden wasn't a perfect place because he, he made it, just because he made it look good. It was perfect because of one thing. God was there. And they had this perfect, peaceful, unhindered relationship with the God of the universe. And everything was good. They were not hungry at all because they had everything they ever needed right there in front of their face. And that was God himself. And you see, God said, the only thing that can change that, the only thing that can separate that, separate me from you, is if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of that tree, then this is not going to be the same anymore. And Adam and Eve were approached by the serpent. And the serpent came. The serpent's job was to convince Adam and Eve that they were hungry, that they were hungry for more than they already had. And Adam and Eve believed the lie, and they took the fruit, and they ate of the fruit. 
And not only did the fruit not satisfy them at all, but it made them empty. And it left them hungrier for more. And they could never, ever satisfy their hunger again because they lost the only thing that they were designed for, and that's a relationship with the God who made them. And it's the same thing with us. Ever since that point, mankind has been hungry And we've been grasping at chips, trying to eat chip after chip, and we can't get one in our mouth fast enough. And every time we do it, it never actually satisfies. It only leaves us wanting more. And we're never filled up. Jesus is saying to the crowds in this passage, and he's saying to us today, you are looking for the wrong thing. That's not going to give you life. It's not about the chips. It's about something much greater. And so that's the first question is, why are you hungry? The second question is, how can you be satisfied? How can you be satisfied? And now we go back to the passage that I read in the very beginning. In the very beginning, and it's verse 35, and it says this. Jesus comes to them and says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus says, do you want to know what you're really looking for? Do you want to know the one thing that can satisfy you both in this life and for all of eternity? It's me. Jesus says, it's me. I'm the one who is the bread of life. Now, how can that be? There's, There's significance to Jesus calling him the bread of life. There's actually a lot of significance. But one of the things I wanted to point out is that any time you've ever eaten bread, have you noticed something? You must break it in order to eat it. It, Whether you slice it or whether you, you break it with your hands or whether you chew it in your mouth and break it with your teeth, bread must be broken in order for you to consume it and for it to sustain you. And in the same way, that's why Jesus was the bread of life. Because in order for Jesus to actually give us life, he had to be broken for us. And that's exactly what he was trying to say in this passage. Because he would go on to give his life on the cross to be broken for us. So that he could restore us to the relationship that we were designed to have. That's what Jesus did. That's why he's the bread of life. But it's not just that Jesus has to be broken for us to, give, to have life, it's that we have to be broken as well. We have to admit that we are broken. And the things that we are trying to do to fill ourselves up aren't working. That our sin separates us from the only thing that we were designed for. From the only thing that we've ever needed, and that's God himself. And when we admit our brokenness, and when we understand that Jesus was broken for us, then we understand that his brokenness is our life. That what he did on the cross for us actually makes us whole again and gives us everything that we've ever needed. The passage goes on in verse 36. And Jesus says, But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. He said, I... I'm right here in front of you. I am the bread of life. I am the answer to all of your problems. And yet, 
you don't believe me. Why is it that the crowds don't believe him? I think this is why. I think it's because they didn't really know why he came and they didn't really know they needed him. See, they thought Jesus was going to come and do all these crazy miracles to give them what they needed and it was going to be great. Like if they were hungry, he would give them some food and everybody would be like, this is great. And if they were thirsty, he would give them drink. And if, if they were sick, he would come and heal them. If they were out of money, he would come and give them money and it was going to be great because he was supposed to come to kind of help them in their day-to-day circumstances. And some of us think that too. Some of us even come to church because we think if we go to church, then maybe God will kind of help us with with our day-to-day circumstances. Maybe life will just get a little bit better because of Jesus. Maybe maybe we'll we'll have a little bit more today. Maybe the kids will be better behaved today because uh, we came to church. That never happens, by the way. we, We think that that's going to be the thing that gives us the life. But it actually isn't. He's come to give us so much more than that. I have a friend who uh, wanted to start meeting with me because he had a life situation with his family that was just really difficult. And, And it was so hard that he's like, I just need help. And so we started meeting and talking and kind of doing a mentoring thing. And he started reading God's word more than ever before. He started getting into a group where other people were encouraging him and strengthening him. And what he was doing was he was finding that, that Jesus could be all the life that he's ever wanted and needed. And Jesus was giving him peace and joy and hope like never before. And I remember the first time that he came in, to, to talk with me, we were sitting at lunch and I looked at him and he looked miserable. Like he was so stressed out by his current life circumstance that he was miserable. And I remember after all this, after he started growing in all of these ways, I remember meeting with him a few months later and I looked at him and I was like, you are a different person. And it wasn't, here's the interesting thing, it wasn't that his circumstances changed, they didn't. Actually, They were kind of getting worse, but he changed, and he was finding that Jesus could be all the life that he ever needed, that Jesus could give him peace, that Jesus could give him hope, not only for this life, but forever. And he knew that even if his circumstances did change and life got better, it still wouldn't be all that he needed because he was designed for so much more. I want you to know today that Jesus may not change your current circumstances in your life, however bad they are. But he has and he will change your eternal destiny and he will give you hope and he will give you peace in this life now and the life to come. That's what Jesus came to. That's why he can be your bread of life. And so first question is, why are you hungry? The second question is, how can you be satisfied? We know why we're hungry, because we were designed for a different life. We were designed for a relationship with God. We know what will satisfy, that it's only Jesus, that it's his brokenness that pays for our brokenness so that we can be whole again. And the only question left to ask is this, will you eat? Will you eat? Now, Jesus tells these crowds, I am the bread of life. He says, 
he lays it all out there. He says, I'm the only thing that you need. And something really strange happens. He goes on to explain more of that. And I'm going to scroll down all the way towards the end of chapter 6. Listen to what it happens. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Jesus lays out his whole plan. He says, this is it. I'm standing right in front of you. I'm the plan. I'm the one that can give you the life that you've always wanted to meet all of your needs. And people walk away because they don't know that he's the one that they need. And, and, and I, I want to ask you today, what is your response to Jesus because I think these people walked away because they thought what they needed was just more chips. Jesus had so much more for them to offer. What they, what they kept eating were chips, and he had the main course laid out right in front of them. Well, here's what Jesus has for you today in this passage. He has laid out everything that you need for life both now and forever. He is the one that you need. Stop eating and snacking on chips when the main course is right in front of your face. Now, if you don't know Christ today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, maybe today would be the day. And it's not just that you have to pray this special prayer. It's that you have to admit that you are broken and that Jesus came to be broken for you so that you could be restored to the relationship you were designed to live with God forever. And that can be yours today. And verse 40 actually tells you exactly how that can happen. Jesus says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. You see, it's not a special prayer that you have to pray. If you want to place your faith in Jesus for the first time, all you have to do is what Jesus said. Look on Jesus and believe in him that he is your life and you will have eternal life forever. It's an amazing thing. And if you want to do that today, I encourage you to take that step. What is holding you back? But I also think this passage is not just for people who don't know Christ. This passage is for those of us who already know Jesus, who are believers. Because every problem in our life, you ever notice this? Every problem in our life is because we try to fill ourselves up with something that's not Jesus. Because we think that it's going to fill us up. We think that it's going to bring us the life we want, and it never does. And so if that's you today, this is for you as well. I, I struggle with something that I want to admit to you today. Sometimes I battle discontentment. It's an ugly thing, isn't it? Discontentment. Where, and when I battle discontentment, it's because I am looking at my own circumstances. I'm looking at what I don't have instead of looking to what I do have. I'm looking to all the ways that I, I fall short, all the ways that I don't measure up, all the disappointments in my life. That's where I'm looking when I have discontentment. And, and I'm looking for all the things I don't have when the only thing that I do have and that I do need for all of eternity is right in front of my face. And I think this passage speaks to believers as well. It says this 
Anyone who looks on the Son, who looks on the Son will have eternal life. The problem with me is that I'm so focused on my own circumstances that I'm not even looking on the Son. We need to take our eyes off of our own circumstances. They may never change, but the one person that can change you both now and forever is right in front of you. It's Jesus. And uh, I want to I read one more passage, one more verse to you in this, uh, in this passage. It's verse 37, and it says this. Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. How wonderful is that truth? And if you know Christ today as your Savior, maybe you just did for the first time, but if you know Christ as your Savior, Jesus can never cast you out. What the Father has given to him, he has and he has forever. You know what that means? That means that there is not one thing you could possibly do to make him love you any less than he does right now. There's not one thing that you could do to make him possibly love you any more than he does right now. You are his and you are secure for all of eternity. Those are the words of Jesus. And so today, I want you to think about it. I want you to change your perspective because it's so easy to focus on our circumstances that are right in front of us. But I think the best thing we can do is when you wake up in the morning, I want you to take your eyes off of your circumstances and pray the gospel over your life. Because the gospel offers you life that you can't have any other way. Only Jesus brings you life. And so I want to close us by praying a, a prayer. And it's a prayer that I believe is a prayer you can pray every day and it'll change your whole perspective on that day. Let me pray that now. Go ahead and bow your heads with me. This is the prayer. Dear Father, I believe today that Jesus is my life. Today there is nothing I can do to make you love me any more than you do right now. There's nothing I can do to possibly make you love me any less right now. And whatever happens today, the one thing I need in this life and for all of eternity has already been given to me and can never be taken away. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.